Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Q2 2019 is just two weeks away. It's Sunday, the 10th of March 2019, as I'm recording this. And if you recall, in December 2018, in episode 20, we discussed revenue goals, marketing goals, relationship goals, and investment goals. And the reason I asked you to think about those things in December, in episode 20, was to have some kind of yardstick by which to measure your progress in 2019, this year. So my question to you today is, how is it going? Are you tracking to plan? I don't know about you, but having these weekly chats with you forces me to think about taking my own advice. What am I doing in my training business? And I think there are five things that we could do better or more of together to make a big difference to our training business in Q2. So why don't we take some time today to look at things that you can do to step things up a gear in Q2 and beyond. This is episode 26 of the podcast. Let's get down to training business. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Welcome. This is the show for training business owners everywhere, people just like you and I, helping you to learn more, to earn more, and to grow your training business, which is what we both want. So irrespective of whether you're in uh, the car right now, on the train, in a bus, on a plane, uh, I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune into this podcast. You could be listening to others. And I appreciate your loyalty. The statistics are up. I can see that more and more people are listening to the podcast. So I'd like to take this time for you, uh, current listeners and new listeners to the podcast, to thank you for your interest and to thank my current listeners for all your kind feedback. And of course, for your time again this week. So in episode 20, we talked about helping you to plan for 2019. That's this year. So my question is, are your goals on track? We're nearly at the end of Q1. Hard to believe. Uh, So my question is, how is Q1? How is it going? Um, Most corporate training budgets are usually, you know, at their end by May and June. There are exceptions, but by that time, many or most training companies or corporate clients have already spent their training budget. And there tends to be a kind of a wind down, doesn't there, around July or August. And that's, you know, when holiday time is, of course, depending on where you are. So Ramadan this year, for example, um, is at the 5th of May until the 4th of June. So if you're training in Dubai, in Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, etc., April tends to be the last busy month for you until June. Uh, If you're in my part of the world, the summer holidays usually are the last uh, week in June, first week in July, usually ending around the second or third week of August, when everything starts all over again in September. Now, why is that relevant? Because this time of year, March, April, is often when many clients of mine sit down to plan their training requirements for September 2019 and beyond into 2020. So now is the time to get decision makers' attention, isn't it? So let's together look at five things that you and I can do. We're going to keep things very simple. We're just going to use five action verbs, just five words, 
And the plan here is not to tell you what to do. Okay, that's not my job. Um, You know your training business and your clients much more intimately than I could. So the idea here is to simply give you something to consider. Uh, If you have a quiet patch right now, that's okay. Uh, It's a great time to address these kinds of things. If, on the other hand, you're full-on busy, you're training, you're coaching like crazy, then keep focused on that and plan some quieter time for your planning when we can address these things individually. So um, what I would think would help you today would be to grab some um, a large sheet of paper, or in my case, what I use is brown wrapping paper, which rolls up very nicely and conveniently, uh, a big black marker or colored pens, whichever you like, um, and maybe some post-it notes. And I'd like you to, when you're ready, write down five words, one on each post-it note. Okay, let's say you have five post-it notes, and the words are stop, speak, build, film, and ask. I'll give you those one more time. Stop, speak, build, film, and ask. And they're the five things we're going to talk about together today, and I'm going to take you through each of these. Here we go. So first of all, the word stop. What does that mean? Um, I'm reading a great book right now. I tend to take a long time to finish books. And the book in question is called um, Start Now, Get Perfect Later. It's by an English uh, property investor and trainer and podcaster who has written a book about how people can actually get things done more effectively. Now, I know there are lots of books on that subject out there. You've read some, I've read some. But for some reason, something really struck a chord with me in reading this book. And that's the concept of IGA. IGA stands for Income Generating Activities. And what Rob is asking you and I in this book is which of your activities generate income? There are things which need to be done. Uh, Emails, accounts need to be reviewed. Um, Maybe some kind of uh, administration needs to be done. But the question to ask yourself is, are those things making money? And my big mistake, and I've done this quite a lot in my career, is I've often managed to convince myself I'm busy when I'm actually doing something which has no direct correlation to revenue goals. And this is so crucial, particularly if you're a salesperson. So you should be asking yourself here, do I have to do this thing? Uh, If I can't delegate it, do I have to do it right now? For example, um, let's say you're working on your WordPress site, which I have right now, and I'm doing that. So I'm getting better at restricting the time on that thing on my website, and that's a a work in progress, um, to hours before 8 a.m. and after 5 p.m., which is a tricky thing, isn't it? Because you, you also want to spend time with family, and that's not something I've been very, very good at at all. Um, are there times when maybe you could be doing things which are not income-generating activities in your weekends or your downtime? Um, for example, are there particular presentations you have to prepare for? It's tempting to do this during working hours midweek, but maybe this is something you could do at a more relaxed time. Um, If you're maybe producing something you can sell, maybe that is an income generating activity. But the trick here is to prioritize the activities which you know result in income 
ones and zeros in your bank account um, at the time when your energy is high, your focus is high, and you're going to be more effective. So the question to ask here is, can I invoice for the activity I'm doing right this minute? Now, I know you could be in the car on the way somewhere. That's something which requires your full attention. But ordinarily, during the day, if you're on the phone checking email, is that something you're doing actually something for which you can honestly say, I can charge for this? And I've lots of room for improvement here personally. So if in doubt, um, work backwards. Look at the last piece of work where you know um, there were certain activities which you could have done which didn't lead to income, or were there things which sequentially you could say did lead to income? In other words, if you were to do those things all over again, repetitively as a formula, you could be sure that would result in generating income. So again, the concept of income generating activities requires you to stop and ask yourself, is the thing I'm doing right now something that has to be done, done by me and done right now? And does it lead to income, something I can actually invoice for? Great question. Okay, number two is speak. And the question I'm asking myself here, and maybe you are too, is how can I get in front of more people? And Katie Caselli, a guest on the show in episode six, talked about the, the fact that uh, much of her marketing is centered around uh, occasions, events where she can speak live because she's been told uh, by other people or clients that when they see her in person, this makes a huge difference to how they perceive her and the value that she brings to that organization. So maybe uh, there are organizations on your doorstep which you could go and speak for or speak to. Um, I'm thinking in my case of women in business. That's an organization I've done uh, a bit of work for. Um, is there a chamber of commerce nearby uh, in your area, a BNI, a Business Network International, some kind of organization that would be happy to have you speak to its members? Um, in my case, I can honestly say every time I have spoken in front of other people, a room of people I know or don't know, doesn't really matter, something always comes of it. It could be uh, a referral. It could be a recommendation. Someone could mention a book. Uh, someone could mention some software or some course, or I might meet someone else whom I didn't expect to meet at that event. It's funny how when you're in front of people, they tend to recollect you more. It's, it tends to leave a, a stronger impression than any amount of online advertising you can do. So whatever you do, find an opportunity to speak live, call a local business, uh, speak to their team at some event, maybe in exchange for a testimonial, if you don't feel you want to charge for it. Uh, you could contact a PR agency, because PR agencies are often looking to get speakers for events, uh, in which case you'll put together a pitch for the event. Um, and there are organizations out there, online courses, that will teach you how to find and book speaking engagements. And one such one recommended to me is thespeakerlab.com. That's thespeakerlab.com by Grant Baldwin, G-R-A-N-T, Grant Baldwin. And he teaches people how to approach organizations and book lucrative speaking engagements, which helps to build their portfolio and consequently uh, their range of clients. Uh, because people always prefer people and providers they know 
and have met in person. The power of of having an actual face to face connection with someone is always more powerful than any kind of online advertising. So the question to ask yourself here might be: In Q two this year, where are my decision makers hanging out? What kinds of sales conferences will they be at? Uh, will they be at HR conferences, maybe Institute of Directors conferences, or as I said, uh, Business Networking International or Chambers of Commerce? Um, so if you can't be the speaker at that event, go along anyway and speak to attendees who've come to listen to the speaker in question, because I'll say it again, it's always better to be in front of people than in front of a computer. And those close to me personally are, if they're listening to this, probably smiling, because this is a big mistake I've made in my personal life in the past year. It, it, not good. I won't go into that now, but um, yeah, if I could go wind back time it's something I would definitely do less of. You're always better on front of people than in front of a lump of plastic and glass for your, uh, for your effectiveness, for your sanity, for the sake of your personal relationships. It's really crucial that you're out there pressing the flesh, networking, because you'll always get more from that face-to-face interaction than you will ever get on front of your computer. Big note to self in 2019. Okay, um, number three then is build. That's the word build. And recently we had uh, Jilly Thompson on the episode, and she is a sales trainer from the UK. And in episode uh, 24, she talked to us all about how she's building an online sales training program right now. And this library of products is going to produce uh, passive income. What that means is that when she is not teaching she's actually teaching. When she's not in the room trading time for dollars or pounds or euros or yen or whatever your currency may be, um, she's actually still making money because her online products are making money for her. So the question to ask here is what is the online market for the skills that you teach? Um, And you can teach on a range of platforms. You could teach on somebody else's platform, for example, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y dot com, um, which is perhaps one of the world's largest um, publicly accessible platforms for online learning content. Um, Or if you want to go down the more select route, you could approach Learningly, that's learning.ly, which is backed by The Economist magazine, They tend to be very selective about the speakers or the presenters or the instructors they have. But that said, um, it is highly regarded as an online platform. Another option is lynda.com or as it's called nowadays, LinkedIn Learning, because that's a company which for many, many years produced online videos, courses, and was recently acquired by LinkedIn. And that's the organization we talked about last week in episode 25 with Petra Fisher, a LinkedIn specialist. So through LinkedIn Learning, you could uh, apply to become an instructor if that's your thing. Um, I'm not going to go into the kinds of revenue you can make from each of these because I can't possibly predict what your course is and the effect uh, uh, financially it's going to have. Um, But something you could do is to think about uh, creating your own course under your own domain name uh, via a platform such as Teachable, Thinkify, sorry, Thinkific, Thinkify, Thinkific, Kajabi, and others. So that's Teachable, Thinkific, and Kajabi, three separate platforms. And I'll leave links 
to all of those in the show note. Um, and the reason this is useful is that people like Jilly Thompson in episode 24 and others are making quite a bit of money online because they're producing content rather than repeating the same thing on a Monday and two weeks time or four weeks after that. They're recording it once, uploading it, editing it, and then selling it. And on that topic, if you're curious about how to go about you know, building your online course from scratch. This is something you could do uh, in Q2 this year or three in the summertime, quite rapidly, actually. Go along to create awesome courses online. Uh, and that's by a guy called David Seitman Garland or Uncle DSG. Uh, I've been a student of that course. Highly recommend that. Fantastic guy. Knows his stuff. Has helped thousands of people around the world to create really high-performing, effective online courses. Takes you the whole way through the software, um, the editing, the designing, the recording, and the marketing. No one knows courses online or selling them online like David Seitman Garland. So take along, uh, take a time to do that maybe this week or on your free time. Look up the course, look up courses like David's and ask yourself, you know, is there some content which I could teach and what is the market for that? Because this kind of thing will pay off not just in Q2, Q3, Q4, but in the long term. And I'm doing this right now as I speak, so I'm taking my own medicine, um, and I will report back to you when I'm done. I'm going to uh, create a course. I'm currently doing that, um, but when it's ready, you'll hear all about this. It's a really effective way also to create your personal brand. If you're only known offline, um, you're really restricted by the geographical reach which you travel to. Does that make sense? People kind of know you locally or maybe in another country. But unless you're physically there uh, in other countries beyond those, people don't necessarily know who you are. But thanks to the internet, the world is quite flat. So you can create your own personal brand and products around your personal brand. And the, the guy to go to for this is the one, the only Chris Ducker. And his website is upreneur.com. That's Y-O-U-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. And I was at his conference in London in 2019. Um, an amazing conference. It's on again this year in 2020. Sorry, 2019. I'm jumping a year ahead here. In 2019. And Chris is actually going to be a guest on a future episode. I'm happy to announce. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He's been doing this for years with another one of my heroes, Pat Flynn. And he will help you to build a brand around your training or your coaching business, around yourself, the kind of brand that you can be proud of, which will actually bring in revenue for you and help you to market yourself. And if for nothing else, it's a fantastic event to go along to because for the networking alone, it's worth the price of the ticket. So that's Upreneur. And again, I'll leave a link to this in the show notes. The next one, number four, is um, film. So um, this brings us to video. And as you know by now, video is the way to go. There is no shortage of platforms out there. Uh, Vimeo, YouTube, Wistia. And the question to ask yourself here is, if I had five minutes on TV, that's, you know, terrestrial TV, television, and I'd never met the audience before, what would I talk about to them and why? And 
This is something which, you know, may make you slightly uneasy because for many people, uh, the, the prospect of being in front of a camera is nerve-wracking. And this is something that Pat Flynn, a fantastic podcaster, recognizes, and he made a video on the subject. And the title is How to Be Comfortable on Camera even if you've been scared for years. And he also gives great advice on equipment and setting up the whole lot from home. And if you think about this, there are many, many reasons to get proficient or become proficient at making your own videos. You don't have to have, you know, a studio. Um, you could access a studio locally in a university or college. Some companies provide recording facilities, but actually you can do a very... You can do a lot with an iPhone or a Samsung, um, the right lighting, natural light is best, by the way, uh, and some good notes. And, and you can use other people or their services to edit the video for you. You don't have to do everything yourself. I, I work with a guy uh, called Sam who does a fantastic job with my audio and video, uh, more video coming up soon. But that's something I can delegate to him and focus on the things that I am uh, better at. Video and audio is not my strength. So if you're enjoying the podcast, it's Sam you have to thank for that. So a couple of reasons or, or ways to use video would be one, uh, creating a video series talking about upcoming events. You could post those short videos on LinkedIn, on YouTube, uh, Instagram. And number two, you could create a video as part of your inside sales uh, program. In other words, you could find people on LinkedIn and send them a video personally or embed a video in your proposal, which is really effective. That's worked well for me. Number three, you could send a video after delivery to uh, delegates. So suppose you've delivered a training program. You could send a video out individually to some or all of the delegates to thank them for their, uh, their participation in the program and also to recap some main learning points. And again, this has been very effective for me. It's an unusual thing to do. People tend to remember this. It's a nice little touch. Uh, number four, uh, when I was at uh, the Upreneur Summit in London last year, I bumped into a team of people from Bonjoro, B-O-N-J-O-R-O. And Bonjoro is a software company which allows you to use your phone to send personalized thank yous and shout outs via email to people whom you elect to do that with. So, you know, if you think of a customer or someone who helped you, you can send a quick uh, little personal video via Bonjoro, and that goes out via email. And the software is so, so simple to use. It's an app which is on your phone. So that's number four. Number five is to make an online course. So you can also use videos like Jilly Thompson is and others, Pat Flynn, Chris Ducker, David Simon Garland. There's a huge number of people out there making money online. So if you're thinking of building an online course this year, uh, you need to create video in some element of that. It's expected, right? So it, there are lots of ways you can do this. As I said, use your phone. Uh, you can invest, if you will, in a DSLR like a Canon. That's the one I have. Um, and a proper stand, uh, some audio, uh, maybe a lavalier microphone for your shirt if, if you want to make it a really professional sounding video. And you can also use what we call teleprompting or auto cue. And this is simply the ability to type out a script and to then uh, be able to read this video script in a way that the camera doesn't see. And this is often what politicians and newscasters do on television, is that they read from a script 
which you cannot see. So it comes across uh, quite professionally. Of course, the downside is it might seem a little bit too rigid. Uh, and sometimes people can, can tell that you're reading uh, from a script. So it's up to you. Um, it's something which might make you feel more comfortable initially. And you can order online uh, B&H, B&H in New York, if you're in New York or anywhere in the States, you can order from B&H. Um, uh, there's a Telmax Pro IP universal tablet teleprompter for $399. Uh, that's one uh, a colleague of mine uses. I use what's called a data video TP uh, 300B, <laughs> sounds very long, uh, prompter kit uh, from Amazon, which is where I bought that one. So when I'm making some corporate videos, I tend to use that because I've less wriggle room for, you know, making mistakes or slip ups. I, I read from a script and then that's a much more effective video to edit. So however you do this, it's really important that in Q2 this year, you start thinking about how you're going to incorporate video into your learning offerings. Okay, the products and services you sell, somewhere in this mix, video belongs. You've just got to think of one of the ways which works for you. Okay, so number five today is ask. And this is the last point today. So ask means literally ask. Think of the companies you want to work with. Is there a magazine you'd like to contribute to? A newsletter, some kind of professional publication, a journal? Are there events you want to be a speaker at? Have you asked anyone about this? Have you asked if you could be considered? Uh, have you approached the right people? And if you haven't, don't worry. Because I still have that problem too. Often my thinking about what I offer holds me back. I ask myself, am I good enough? Um, I doubt myself. So having the courage to ask and taking the risk really, really will pay off. So if there's one thing to make a difference to your business in Q2, Q3 and 4 and into 2020, I would say it's this, get better at asking because there, there are no prizes for being the last in the queue. You're a person who manages and owns a training business. It's in your interest to put yourself out there and to ask for things. No one's going to come up to you and ask you if you'd like to write for a magazine or like to come and speak at an event, particularly if someone already is approaching those people. Because the people who ask tend to be the people who get. Does that make sense? And I'm thinking of the number of times when I have taken a risk hasn't always paid off, but so what? You know, the, the bigger you're thinking, the more risks you take. The, sorry, the more risks you take. And the more risks you take, the more often you will ask. And it kind of goes around in circles. So before you ask for things, of course, think of what is in the interest of the other person that would make them want to say yes and do this before you ask. Because the more you ask, the more... Uh, or less afraid you will be of hearing no. So if you hear a no, just say to yourself, next, and then ask again, ask someone else. Keep on asking. Always be asking. Training is a business, and if it's a business run by you, you've got to be the person stepping up, representing the brand, asking for things, taking the risk of being told no, but asking anyway. Okay? So, in summary, today, we've covered five things. Uh, I'm going to give them to you now as a list. So your summary of things to consider for Q2 as we approach Q2 in April is one, stop 
And this means stop non-income generating activities. Ensure you're spending more time on activities which generate income. I have to put my hand up here uh, because this is a big note to myself. I need to take my own advice, my own medicine on this one. Stop focusing on things which do not result in billable income. Okay, number two, speak. Stand up and speak at some event where decision makers are. It's up to you to find out where those decision makers congregate, where they tend to hang out, where they associate, where they're likely to be, and to go along and to meet them in person. If you can't speak at that event, then meet the speaker at that event and meet the people who come along to listen to the speakers or speaker at that event. Okay, no excuse. Get out networking, meet in person. Number three, build. Think about creating online training content either paid or free, um, because that will help to market you even when you're not physically there. Number four, film. This means use video creatively. There's no escaping this. Video's everywhere. It's on your iPhone, it's on your iPad, or your Samsung. Uh, it's on some kind of camera somewhere in your building right now, or in a plane. Look around you. There's going to be a camera there. Video is part and parcel of our lives. So we can use video creatively to reach, to entertain, to market and to sell. So as the training business owner that you are, that I am, we need to think creatively about how we can use video to incorporate this into our reach for existing and current or future and current customers. And number five is ask. Start taking risks. Start thinking about the people whose book you've read. Could you contact them on LinkedIn. Ask, is there a conference you'd love to be a speaker at? Great. Ask, are there people ahead of you who perhaps are not doing as good a job as you, but they've asked? Could you ask as well and get that gig? The people who ask first and ask more often in life tend to be the people who have and get things. So I'll leave that with you for today. Five things to think of for Q2 and also things to think about coming into your downtime or quiet time, if you have that in summer, not too far away now. It's March 2019, only a couple of weeks, literally, until school holidays and summertime. And often that's the kind of time when, as most training business owners find, we have downtime. Schools are off, kids are out, and a lot of training tends to be, you know, on hold or simply Uh, start again in September. And that's the time when we need to be really creative about what we do, find some time to spend with family, note to self, but also to get the kinds of things done that we cannot do when, you know, things are crazy and busy uh, during particular months of the year. So that's something we'll focus on on another episode of the podcast, which is how do we actually remain productive when we're not actually delivering training, coaching, etc. in the quiet months of the year. Now, you may be lucky and have no quiet months. In my case, I often find that I have particular quiet months. Maybe you do too. So we'll talk about on a future episode ways to actually remain productive whilst also taking advantage of nice weather and getting some really uh, important downtime with friends and family. Big note to self in 2000. And 19. So thanks for listening today. And thank you so much for inviting me into your ears today, into your train journey or your car journey or your flight or your coffee break or wherever you are. I'm all the time conscious that you have actually allowed me to, to speak to you today. It's a privilege to do so. 
And I'm here again for you next week with more training business content. Um, it's really important to me to hear back from you. So email me, markghays at gmail.com. That's a simple email address, markghays at gmail.com. And let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know the kinds of topics you'd like to hear more of, because this is all about you. This is all about you. I do this for you. If you, if you listen to these podcast episodes, you'll know by now I'm not plugging anything. I'm not selling you anything. I do this because I'm trying to help. And also in helping you, I'm helping myself. So think of it like a relationship where friends um, check in with me every week. But I'd love to hear back from you and help uh, you by understanding the kinds of things that you'd love to have on the show. Are there particular guests you would like to hear from? Are there particular topics you would find useful? That's the kind of stuff I'd love to hear more about from you. That way I can make sure the podcast is relevant, helpful, and serves your training business. So once again, thanks for your time. Speak to you next week. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.